My name is Caitlin, and I'm not sure this is too clever, but I am a Barbie girl living in a Barbie world. God damn it. Did you, you really just didn't came think... up with that, too? You really no. didn't think of that one. No. I'm Zach, and come on, Barbie, let's go party. Okay. Like that, okay. There you go. I... I'm just piggybacking on you. There you go. There you go. <laughs> this is manipulating the masses. Don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men, with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You, the people, have the power. Bring in the energy. It's been a long week. We're bringing the energy today. All right. You ready to talk Barbie? Like today yes. we're going to be, yes. Hit me. The movie's coming out. Margot yep. Robbie, Ryan, one of the Ryans. Ryan Gosling. Michael There you go. Michael Sarah. Really? Isn't it? Yeah. He's like, he's, he actually looks pretty good in it too. So I'm interested to see that. But we're not talking about the movie today. They have their own marketing campaign. We may be getting into it if we have time, but we are going to be talking about the toy and the inception of the toy. Um, and they are doing research. It's a pretty fascinating story. Um, I was actually very surprised. So my first question kicking off to you, Caitlin. What's uh, my favorite Barbie? okay well that half answers it like <laughs> did you have a barbie growing up like uh, like did you a have barbie you... zach a <laughs> barbie oh my god are you new to millennials multiple barbies okay then which one was your favorite barbie okay well my one barbie story that i can remember is uh i asked for lifeguard barbie who came with a dolphin Okay. And I wanted this Barbie so bad, I asked everybody for it, and I got everybody gave me the dolphin Barbie. So I had like I had like five dolphin Barbies, and my mom was kind (laughs) of disappointed. She was like, "You know, like this was this was a special gift for me, and you asked like five people for it." I don't know if my mom remembers (laughs) that story. She probably doesn't. But you just got a team of lifeguards. You're keeping the beaches safe at that point. They're yeah. like, they can have shifts. You can give Barbie a break. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I think it's, I think it worked out well, you yeah. know, yeah. for the, for the entire people in, I don't know what the world is. Barbie dreamland. Mm-hmm. Is that what they call it? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm taking a shot. It mm-hmm. feels like the right mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well then that gets to my second question. So what, what would you describe now, Caitlin, looking back, what was the allure of Barbie? Like, can you describe why it spoke to millennial and older women as kids? Like, can you feel put like that the, into words? I feel like the answer that you want me to give or that any I'm... marketing department wants me to give is because <laughs> uh, Barbie was like this dream girl, like dream body, dream like features. Oh. But that's not why. And actually, I don't have a good reason. I feel like it was just kind of intuitive as a, uh, oh boy, am I getting into gender? Um, I'm going to try to stay in the safe zone. It's part of our conversation, though. It is part of our conversation. I'm going to try to stay in the safe zone. But as, so I'm just going to use me as one (laughs) example, as a focus group of one here. It was very inha- it, it was very intuitive for me to play with dolls like that and they were you 
I really do remember just painting this world in my head and really having the biggest imagination with these dolls. And I could create, I could play God. Yeah. I mean, it's wonderful, right? If that's not a power complex, I don't know what is. (laughs) Yeah. And for me, I like growing up my big toy and I'm not even a car guy now. Like I haven't owned a car in 10 years. But uh, I played Hot Wheels. Uh, and, like, it's the same thing. Yeah. Like, you would just, like, give them personalities. You'd race them. Like, you would just, like, it's just being, it's it's letting your imagination run within these confines of, like, yeah. having a house or having a car. Like, right. It was just I kind of a vehicle for my imagination to run wild. And I won't yeah. say, like, it was specific to Barbie. Like, I had a, an American Girl doll, too. I had Molly. And I okay. feel like I, I liked her better than I liked any of my Barbies. Well, you'd go back and forth. It's interesting, so we will get me. into... Uh, no, <laughs> maybe a little, but okay, fair enough, fair enough. But it, it is interesting, and I, I'm glad that you brought up American Girl doll because it's going to be part of our conversation today with, with Barbie launching... Uh, because American Girl dolls are children. They're they're baby dolls, right? And there is this element of when Barbie came onto the scene, broke that model of that kids, girls imagining to be moms versus Barbie was a doll that you were imagining a future life, right? And you were envisioning who you wanted to become rather than just girls being moms, Oh. And, and taking care of their doll. Interesting. Right? But can I clarify? Because yeah. I don't... Maybe you were using American Girl doll as kind of like a larger a representation yeah. for a baby yeah. doll. Okay, cool. Because I do yeah. want to clarify. I felt like I was more uh, one of Are the more gonna... intelligent <laughs> female children where yeah. I grabbed on to Molly because she came with books. And these books oh. painted a story of who she was and growing gotcha. up in the war. Like these were like oh. his a little bit historical. They were a little yeah. bit like they it, Molly was more of a friend than she was a baby doll. Gotcha. Yeah, that is a good clarification. Okay. I, I'm, I'm showing you. It's not Cabbage Patch. Look at me pulling that one out. Um, all right. All right. So uh, let, let's get into the story because I and the best place to start for me when I was diving into this research is actually before we get into Barbie specifically is the founding of Mattel, the company that's that built Barbie, because it is a fascinating story. Tell so, me it was an old white man. Actually, two old white men. But the star of our story is a white woman. Uh, who was the third founder of Mattel? Okay. She's the star of the story. It okay. was two. It was one white guy who's kind of kooky and crazy named Harold Matson, and then a husband-wife couple, okay. Ruth and Elliot Han- Handler. Um, and Ruth is, I mean, if you want to do research, we're not going to get into depths. Ruth is a bad bitch. She is a boss motherfucker. Snap. Like she is. Is she so, still alive? Is, I don't know. I don't know. I. I mean, she's working. She's founding a company in 1945. Oh, she's long dead. Yeah, history maybe is not on her side. Um, So with that, uh, 1945, Matson, Ruth, and Elliot Handler began working out of a garage, the typical Silicon Valley story, but this time in L.A. Um, So uh, after two years of tinkering, they come up with their first toy. 
They're just and they're so excited. They're going to this big toy convention in New York, and the toy is called the Yuka Doodle, um, which is dog. like a, a it's. I'm not that is fact. That is hard fact. The Yuka Doodle, which is essentially like a crank turned ukulele, like it's like a ukulele, but you crank turn it and it plays music, right? Um, so they took it to this, and this is a lesson learned for, this is a business lesson for everybody. They took it to this uh, convention, started doing well, but they didn't patent it. So then all of these other companies started making basically knockoff yuka doodles, whatever they named it, I'm not sure. Um, and their sales just started to dwindle. But nevertheless, like this short-term success, these three, they were tinkering around, were like, we're going to start a company, Mattel. And I don't know why they came up with the name, but we all know Mattel by this p- point. Um, and they they start making all these toys. They get to like mid sized success, right? Like they're 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 starting to grow uh, in 1945, and then it all changed in 1950. When this is where we're going to get into the branding. When the ad agency that was working with Mattel calls up Ruth uh, and says. ABC just called us. Disney is launching a new show targeted at kids and they're looking for sponsors, right? So the sponsorship, the cost of sponsoring, the show is the Mickey Mouse Club. And we all know the Mickey Mouse Club now. But this is, they're launching it and they're looking for a sponsor for the show. Now the sponsorship in 1950 was gonna cost half a million dollars, $500,000, yeah. All year, you and no, you couldn't back out. Year commitment, half a million dollars, which happened to be the the entire net worth of Mattel at the time. So they were worth half a million dollars. This sponsorship opportunity comes in for half a million dollars. So the decision for Ruth, who's like the business end because she's a boss, uh, is either basically put all of her money into this sponsorship for this Disney show and get a huge influx of sales or do it, see minimal uh, lift and the company's out of business. I love a good high risk, high reward situation. That is how I live my life. Yeah, so I, I, my question, I know you do that. So my question to you at that point was like, put yourself in Ruth's shoes. Do you take the deal? Oh, I that's... mean, not knowing what we know now, but like if you, there's a new show, so I'm bringing you a situation. You have a company worth half a million dollars. I'm saying I'm launching this new show, whatever it's called, Kids. We don't know the name, but it's targeted at kids. You run a toy company. It's going to cost every cent in your bank account to sponsor this show. Do you take it? Do you pull the trigger? What do you think I do? I think you pull the trigger 100%. I think. You know me with finances, though. I know. I was kidding. No, you don't pull the trigger. I was like, you don't know me at all. Yeah, no, no. I am so. If it was me, I'd pull the trigger. And I'm like, yep, let's go for it. High risk, high reward. Zach would pull the trigger. I am so financially conservative. Like, I constantly feel like the ground is falling out from underneath us at all times. So I'm always like a squirrel stashing away money. Like I take money yep. out of the bank account and don't even tell Zach and I stash it in a savings account <laughs> yeah, somewhere yeah, I offshore. I know you do. <laughs> just so, in case. Just, just in, in case. case. So when I see put, the number, I'm like, we can do this. We can do this. Yeah. Like, look at all this money we have. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, with do you, you know I'm how much you. payroll costs? Um, mm, but no, I, so I, I would, <laughs> I, I wouldn't 
there's so many other high risk, high reward things that I would do, but money is something that just like, oh God, freaks me out. You'd be like, you'd be like medium risk, medium reward. You're like, you're like, you you would like venture into that game. I'd be like, maybe can we take a one month sponsorship, see how it does Mm -hmm. for one twelfth the cost? Like I would try to go Mm -hmm. that route. But let me guess, Ruth, the badass bitch, takes the deal, and now Mattel is household name. Yep, and and the interesting note, which ties back to our previous podcast, is she takes the deal, making Mattel the first ever company to run ads directly targeting children. So not targeting parents to buy kids their kids' toys, but running ads directly targeting children. And we've talked about that tactic in the past. We have talked about that. We have talked about that children are the buying power in the household. Yes. The next person in the household that has the buying power is the woman. Yep. The man just Just sits back. And eats his sandwiches. Yep. (laughs) In his his wrinkled shirt. Yep. That's I'm cool with that. I would be okay with that. Um, Well, anyway, we they they start running ads. And as we all know, the Mickey Mouse Club is a smash hit. Millions of viewers every week Um, and and exclusively during the Mickey Mouse Club, they're only running Mattel ads. So this these kids are just being bombarded with Mattel ads. And their first go around for Mattel was, I, I had to look it up. It's a weird toy, but they call it the burp gun. No. Um, yeah. I, problem. It's, it's 1950, Caitlin. You know, let them, it, it, today it wouldn't fly. Their but hero the burp gun. products are something called the Yuka Doodle and the burp gun. Absolutely well, not. You gotta fail a few times before you hit a Barbie. You know, fair, like that's so, fair. You know, like the burp gun. But at the time, the burp gun uh, by Christmas Eve, they start running it around Thanksgiving. Uh, by Christmas Eve, they are completely sold out. Orders off the wall. They told the story of like they tried to get in after Christmas to their headquarters and they couldn't. The door was blocked by all the orders for the burp gun, the mail orders for the burp gun. So it worked. It worked. And Can you describe have... the burp gun? Let me pull up a picture of it really quick. Because it is, it is, it's like, it's like a Tommy gun. You know, it's like those, it's got like a regular gun with like a circular like clip to it. And it just kind of like. Like a sound just... radar is what I'm picturing yeah, type. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, let me see if I can pull but it But does it like. Do you make sound into it and then it projects a burp or does it just project a burp without you with you just pulling a trigger? No, you put like little caps in it, like little caps, like you'd load it and then you'd wind it up and then you'd fire it and it would make like that gunshot sound with a little bit of smoke that came out. So it'd feel like a. Oh, so it has nothing to do with a burp. I yeah, I don't know. it's not like a burp sound it's not like oh burp sound no it's a gun gun where it's like kids I'm too practical to be in marketing I've just decided (laughs) just now I'm too practical to be in marketing I don't know what I'm doing yeah I well to be fair that branding's pretty off base um you know like not a good brand name um but but in that sense it works and do you, I think we've talked about in our previous podcast, thinking about that, is there anything we want to add 
marketing to children. I mean, taking away the problematic that they are marketing toy guns to children, we're going to, that's problematic in and of itself. Is there anything, any issues that you see marketing to children? I mean, beyond that, like they are the buying power. We see them just peppered with ads. Is there, if we had a company come to us, that's like, hey, I'm targeting five to 10 year olds what are some of the problems that we would address maybe right away or what are some of the issues with that or did you just say yeah shit, why don't you give me the demo. answer i don't have an answer okay i, don't. I actually don't i i don't know i don't see a problem with marketing to children if it's a if it's a toy what's the problem yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I just, I don't see a problem with it, but a lot of people do. I mean, we're in advertising. We're not going to see a problem with it, you know, but I do think as we get into Barbie, right, to your point of like this ideal woman being marketed to kids. Oh, totally. This, so, yes. You know, like yes. there is, there is little nuances yes. that, that can come up. So here's know? the thing here, here's what you kind of drew a line in the sand before you asked me is like beyond the problematic uh obvious feature of this being a gun and you marketing it to children what is the additional issues i don't see any additional issues i do see an issue with marketing a gun to a child and here's the other thing is it's a gun but they're calling it something foofy and fun and it's called a burp gun lol yeah. isn't that fun <laughs> And the NRA is like, fuck yeah, Mattel. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Our memberships just increased. Uh, totally. Five-year-olds are now welcome into the NRA. I mean, if you're a kid in 1950 buying a burp gun, I mean, we're doing the math. You're probably an NRA member currently. Oh, you shit. Know? Like, doing, oh, doing the math. I just had an aha moment. I think we need to dig into this. I think we need to trace the founding of the NRA back to the burp gun. Like I need I, to find webs. <laughs> we just became a conspiracy podcast and I'm not upset about it. Hang I tight. am not upset about it at all. Let's dive into that. Me neither. Um, okay. So they sell out of the burp gun. Mattel is killing it now. They're 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 taking off. They have the Mickey Mouse Club. They're promoting new products. They're just selling out left and right. So Ruth and Elliot at this point are doing well. They're taking they took a six week European trip with their kids. Here's a little foreshadowing. Uh, Barbara and Ken are their two kids' names. <laughs> no brother no. and sister. Barb brother and sis brother and sister. Barbara and Ken. Excuse yep. me. Yep. Yep. Oh, yep. this is life changing for me. Barbie and better. Ken are based off of real people. Shocker number one. And then how fucking weird uh, isn't Barbie? Uh, isn't there yep. some sort of love romantic situation yep. with Barbie and Ken? Oh. Yep. Does this yep. go back the, to your fast and slow brain thinking where you're like, is there a real the issue emotional with morality. emotional <laughs> yeah. morality? Is it a real problem if Romeo and Juliet, our brother and sister, they go have sex in Paris and nobody finds <laughs> out? To me, yes, it's problematic. But is there any yeah. law written? Well, okay. Yeah, no. 
I digress. Uh, it, Keep going. Yeah, I'm so fascinated. I'm I, I know. And it gets better. It gets better. So this is the founding of Barbie. So they're, they're walking Wait, around. Before you even start, I have another thought that I'm just like, yeah. oh, my stomach. <laughs> I'm stomaching this all at once. Barbara and Ken are based off of children. Children. But they Correct. have created this idea. I, idealistic body shape for Barbie with like, you know, they have those comparisons that you find where it's like, if Barbie were a real person, her boobs would be size J. She'd fall yeah. over because her feet are three sizes too small for her legs. Yeah. Like she would literally be like a this weird creature. I haven't seen those. You haven't? Oh, no, yeah. Like Barbie is like dynamically not fit to be a real human. Human. And now that I know <laughs> that she was based off of a child, something is happening named inside after of a me. child named after a child. Let me tell you what she was based off of, because this is where it gets a little weirder. Um, so they're they're walking through Europe. I think they're in the, the, the Alps somewhere and uh, they're walking down the street doing some shopping and Ruth spots these three foot tall mannequins sitting in a storefront dressed in like steer, ski gear. And she like light bulb goes off, right? She's like, "This is the doll I've been looking for, like the the shape, the everything." So um, she had like been pitching this idea to Mattel, and they said no. Like the kickback was always like she's been pitching this Barbie idea for a while, and the kickback from the all men exec team was like, "No, uh, girls only want to play with dolls to be moms." Like, that's what we talked about. That was their kickback. They're like, Barbie's not going to work. Girls only want to be mommies. Can I ask a clarifying question? So yeah. you said that Ruth had been pitching Barbie. Had she not, had, was it not associated with the name Barbie? It was just she was pitching no. a doll at that point? The idea of an adult doll. An right? adult like doll. The, okay, yeah, okay. The, the idea of like not okay. a kid baby doll, but like an adult. Okay, right? so this was this mm -hmm. had had already been stewing in her head, and then she saw a mannequin. Yep. Okay. And she's like, "That's it, right there, right." I mean, I mean the girl knows yeah. how to sell, and all male team of execs is like, "Hey, okay, you didn't like my doll idea. How about a doll with boobs?" And they're you like, "You are so spot on with that. You are so um, men never never <laughs> cease to amaze me." Well, this is the thing, right? The mannequin, she goes in there. She, it's like exactly like it. She's been pitching the idea. She sees the mannequin. She's like, that's what I've been going for. So she goes into the store to buy the mannequin. Um, and she finds out. <laughs> and they're like, the, ma'am, the mannequin is not for sale. Do you want the clothes on the mannequin? They are for sale. They are for sale because the uh, mannequins are actually a soft porn mannequin. Stop for it. men. Stop named it. Named Lily. Stop it. Yeah. So Barbie's modeled after a soft porn mannequin that was sold to men uh and her name was lily okay and stop question <laughs> there's so many <laughs> okay <laughs> what was a ski shop doing with a soft porn mannequin displaying clothes was this the only mannequin that was available at the time and were There's, they, so they were selling, were they selling these two separate things as two separate things? Or was this mannequin meant to be displaying the clothes or was this mannequin meant to be for sale? It was both. 
So it was like, I mean, it's European, right? Like they were like, this is like dressed up mannequin. They have her Lily looking nice in all this ski gear. Um, and also available for sale if you want to have some soft core porn fun. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's what Barbie's m- made out of. That's the model for Barbie. And right there. were there any other mannequins at the time? Was like, Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Mannequins have been around for a long time. You know, like some of them were headless. Some of them like mannequins have been around. But this but... one in particular drew her eye and it was like more what womanly. It was more lifelike. It was more real. I than the so. other mannequins she's seen? I think so. The figure was what she was looking for. She just wanted for I, I wasn't in Ruth's head at the time, but whatever she saw in that softcore porn mannequin was like, that is what I've been going for. And that I just cannot get I... past a ski shop <laughs> displaying this with ski clothing on. Okay. Okay. We're just there's things. There's that we're, so many questions to that story. There's things you know, that we're like, just never gonna have answers to. Like, where, no. who murdered John Benet Ramsey, and where, uh, yep. why was this soft corn mannequin <laughs> displaying clothing? We we'll just. These are, okay. Maybe they liked how it looked. You know, we'd have to ask the store owner at okay, that point. Okay, but regardless, Maybe he was like, she bought it. She bought it. Okay, for the, the low, low price of, do we have that? No idea. No, okay. no idea. They didn't have that, but she bought it. You can't and pay now a price she has on this... porn. Nope, nope. Well, you can't. You can. But, <laughs> yeah, but... So she buys the doll, and she's carrying this three-foot-tall, like, softcore porn doll back to L.A., right? She flies back from Europe to L.A., and um, they go into production, right? Uh, and they start miniaturizing it a little bit, but it's the same model. They, they send it off there. It's the same model. Um, and, and they had been, they start developing her over the course of three years, right? And you picked up Barbie's named after her daughter, Barbara. Um, they actually, now this is where it gets fun, is they actually hired a high-end fashion designer to start to so design Barbie's clothes, right? Who? Like they, I, I, didn't give me the name. Didn't give me the name. But we can What look company it up. did they work for? Come on. Was no it Chanel? Idea. They didn't give me anything. They d- it just said high-end fashion designer. Okay. That's all I can tell you. Um, and they also eventually added joints to her so she could do poses. Right? So she could, like, you know, they could pose her. They can do all of that. Um, and the team, before launch, I even went to a psychologist for marketing advice. So here's the interesting piece. You're, Caitlin, sitting, uh, you're brought in as a marketing expert uh, for the first Barbie meeting, right? How would you recommend positioning Barbie in the marketplace to combat the skepticism from mothers about, there was a lot of pushback about giving their daughters a doll with breasts. There was a lot of pushback on that. How do you- Maybe I would make Barbie, I would, uh, I would tone her down a little bit, like maybe make her like a businesswoman and be like, uh, maybe make her businesswoman and and be like, this is what your daughter could grow up to be. Although women of that time, like the mothers of that time, were probably like not on board with women becoming their own identity. Um, So I don't know how I would sell that. It's a tough one. I couldn't come up with it either. So let me give you the next one. some of the mothers said she had, quote, too much figure. She was just too much woman uh, that to give 
they wouldn't that that'd make them nervous buying it for their daughters. Any any piece to like come back to that? No, like, I think she has a point. Like nah, weird things could go too? on in a bedroom with a doll that is based off of a softcore porn doll. Yep. Yep, I think the foundation is rocky at best. So the psychologist, yeah. <laughs> the, the psychologist goes this angle. He recommends m- marketing Barbie as a way for mothers to teach their daughters how oh to take God. care of their appearance, Go. how to look nice, how to dress, how Brilliant. to brush their hair, how to you know like as a teaching model, right? Wait, and I I just think that's so brilliant because me just living in the age of 2023 where everyone's like, I want it all. I want to be a career woman. I'm like, yeah, just make her a career woman. Great. It's problem solved. (laughs) But that was not the mentality in 1950. It was like, look your best to appease your man who earns the paycheck. So I, and, and they did it in a way where you don't over sexualize her. Like the boobs are very second, here like they're like the appearance and the yep. makeup is actually yep. in the forefront of this yep, uh, well done psychologist yeah i think it's a great angle i think it's a great angle and the other piece was again um based on the feedback of the mothers they're like yeah we're not gonna make much headway for mothers that's our angle but we're gonna just barrage the children so they have the buying power um And I think, you know, when we're coming at it from a business angle, the genius part of Barbie to me is that you buy the doll and then all the clothes are sold separately, right? Mm -hmm. Like everything, all the accessories, everything else is sold separately. So you just kind of have this just constant, constant. If you can get someone to buy the doll, the accessories are nothing Mm -hmm. at that point. Mm -hmm. So they they launched Barbie. Mm -hmm. In March of 1959, um, launched Barbie, and they launched it at that same toy convention that they did the Yuka Doodle, right? They go to the same one. Ruth is freaking pumped. This has been her dream. She's ready to go. All the buyers are men. And uh, at this toy convention, uh, they were very skeptical of Barbie. Mm. So at first, Barbie didn't take off. Um, there was one story that I read that like one of the buyers was like, what's underneath those clothes? I was just going to, I was just going to say, because their own perverse minds were getting ahead of them and they couldn't actually put themselves in the position of children, let alone female children, let alone mothers who would be allowing their children to buy this. Ew. Okay. So what did Ruth say to that? She, uh, quickly and without hesitation ripped off the Barbie's clothes and uh yeah and just showed like and the guy was like oh there's no nipples good you know like he was worried that Barbie was gonna have nipples and we are still to this day in a in the free the nipple movement yeah well, they have they come out with nipple Barbie yet? Have they uh, implemented that variation? No, I don't fucking know. <laughs> okay, I'm just not. A question. Do just you think they're still buying Barbies? Then? No, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just like, I, I don't know. Did they come out with nipple Barbie? Um, <laughs> so, oh my uh, god, that was his big qualm. That is funny. Yeah. So, but it didn't. Nobody really bought it. All these men buyers were like, nope, not happening. Not still, happening. even Sans nipple. Interesting. 
Yep. So um, they went back to their tried and true. Uh, they did twofold, right? They actually um, they started advertising it on the Mickey Mouse Club, started getting some sales. Buyers were like, okay, these kids are interested. Let's bring them into the stores. And when they actually bought them for the stores, this is where I wanted to ask you, they did the marketing strategy of building these elaborate displays mm. in the stores that showcased Barbie in every one of her outfits. So I know your history where you've worked on store displays. Can you talk to me about like what makes a good display and how powerful is that in store? Oh, I... I would have created like an entire house to where somebody yeah. would, could walk in. And again, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, you asked like the allure of Barbies. It's because you can let your imagination run wild. So if you can actually like get that kid's imagination going and you can put that kid in the house, like put them in the position of Barbie, then it's game over. So I would yeah. just like create an entire world. Like you said, we're calling it Barbie dreamland. <laughs> I would create this dreamland, like, and, and you just want to be Barbie. Like you just want to be the toy you're playing with. And as long yep. as you can picture yourself in that world, solid. Yep. I agree. I agree. And so with that combo of, of, ads targeting children and these beautiful displays i mean barbie starts flying off the shelves right um including her wardrobe so they had uh, about 30 pieces of wardrobe that launched with barbie can you take a stab at what the most popular piece of wardrobe was for some reason i'm thinking of like a two piece, but I highly doubt that was even, that wasn't even sold in 1959. Was it a bikini? A bikini, uh, but it wasn't a she bikini. She actually came with a zebra, like strapless uh, one piece. That was what she came with. So, um, so progressive. Okay. So, yeah. but, but that wasn't what was most sold. We're talking about mm -hmm. what was most sold. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Um, I'll just go back to my two piece. Cause that's how I picture her. It was a wedding gown actually. <sighs> so the wedding dress was by far the biggest seller, um, God damn which it. speaks a lot. I know, which speaks a lot to the time. This is right? so you try every... to empower women, but you know, like but they're just like, I want a wedding dress. Every time <laughs> you say something, I'm like, God, that was so obvious. Why didn't I say that? <laughs> Because uh, the the whole marketing behind it was this is who you, you can be. This is how you want to present yourself to a man. Of course, the end goal is a marriage. Of course. Mm -hmm. So Mattel, uh, based on that, started receiving an influx of fan mail asking the question, oh. why does Barbie have a wedding gown, but no, no one to marry, husband. but no one to marry? It makes no sense. So in 1961, they launched Ken uh, just two years after Barbie, which is named after the brother of Barbie. And he was there to be the groom of the Barbie doll. Mm -hmm. So many Oedipal mm -hmm. shits going on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and this is the last, so, I mean, it's history. Barbie is like, we'll talk about Barbie's iconic nature moving forward. But as far as the backstory, this is this the last fun story that I have for you. Um, before Ken could go to shelves, 
uh, the team at Mattel uh, had some really tough decisions. Oh. Uh, how do you produce the groin region of Ken? Right? And this yeah. is a true story. So they, they built three prototypes for the Ken doll. One was just like Barbie, just smooth, nothing there. Mm -hmm. One had a little bump mm -hmm. <laughs> and one just had the whole package, just everything. Yeah, <laughs> one just had everything, right? And they sat into a meeting and they like talked about these prototypes and which one <laughs> they would go for. So do you know which one they landed on? The smooth. The bump, actually. The Ken has a little little uh, bump. Their, their reasoning was like they would feel like even kids would know something's wrong if it was just smooth, smooth. Like even kids would understand that's just there's something wrong there, you know? Oh, my um, God, Zach. I'm like having these really like child flashbacks right now <laughs> where it is like you play with these dolls and you have like something weird in your head going on where you're like kind of exploring shit that probably yeah. like you shouldn't be exploring when you're that young. Yeah. And I yeah. fully remember this. Like you are looking at the genitalia. You are looking at like, yeah. Now that yeah. I think about it, this whole thing is so perverted. It's, it's wild, right? It's wild. It's a fascinating story. But they were like, you know, hey, let's be real. They did the same thing. Like, let's be real. Like, uh, people, even young girls buying this Ken doll, they know. the first thing they're going to pull down his pants. You yeah. Know? Like, they're going <laughs> yes. to do that, right? <laughs> like, you gotta, you, you gotta just prepare for that. They originally tried to have Ken with a fused on underwear with a bump. So, like, he had underwear that, like, couldn't be pulled down, but manufacturers in Japan were like, we can't figure it out, fuck it, and they just sent him out. So I would just paint uh, it on, like, paint on the underwear, just like you paint his skin color, paint on a yeah, white boxer brief. Come on, that's Japan. Fair. That's fair. I mean, then you just scratch it off, you know, and you're like, what's underneath there? Um, but yeah, that is, uh, fascinating stuff. And I think those decisions in the production and marketing, Ken launches as Barbie's groom sells just as well as Barbie. I'm sure, really... I'm sure, you know, as soon as they got this request for Ken and they're like, yeah, 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 this makes sense. And then they got to that decision and they're like, what did we get ourselves into? Like, we are going down a road that we cannot back out of. Yep. And now this yep. is my life, deciding how big to make Ken's bulge. Yep, this is my day spent, just looking at uh, groin areas of dolls. But also um, the audacity for them to create a full package on Ken, but then like Barbie was like, never have a nipple. <laughs> I know, I know, it's like, Whatever it's you do, so just weird. keep the nipple off. 1950s were a weird, weird time, it's 60s still at that point. I'm, I'm telling you, there's time. still um, the freedom nipple movement. Like it's I still agree. happening with social media censoring Mattel nipples. Launched, <laughs> yeah, Mattel launched nipple Barbie for all of our sakes. Yeah. Um, uh, so and then I mean the rest is history. Barbie just becomes this pop culture icon. They roll out uh, Barbie's little sister. I forget the name, but they roll out Barbie's best friend Midge. So now they have like this whole cast of characters and Barbie. <laughs> Just, I mean, becomes a staple in not only American culture, but I think globally. Um, so by 1962, uh, 
Barbie has her own magazine. Barbie has a very adamant fan club, very large, and a few best-selling novels. Um, and they start to transition Barbie into a career-centric woman, financially independent. This is when you know the 60s movement is happening. They're like, okay, we can start to build uh, Barbie into this independent woman, right? Uh, and my favorite thing is her resume. Uh, which includes, and I'm just naming a few. It includes airline pilot. It includes astronaut. What? It includes doctor. It includes Olympic athlete. And it includes U.S. presidential candidate. And I, that's just a few things on her resume. But not, so. she never made it to be the U.S. president. She was just a candidate. Nope, just a candidate. Mm. Just a candidate. They don't want to rewrite history. They just yeah. want to be like. Yeah, we know, don't want to be she, ridiculous. Give plus, us a break. she's a woman, you know, just a candidate. Like, yeah. you know, like yeah, she yeah, can't yeah. be president. Thus, Hillary Clinton was born. <laughs> Hillary Clinton models her life after Barbie. Little um, did we know. So was this on one resume or was this separate resumes? Her single resume. Really? She managed to find resume. time to do all of this and shocking. Yeah, which is impressive which no, is impressive. incredibly impressive i, I so, thought it took lots of years to become a doctor and an astronaut <laughs> but I, it seems she's been, to you she's can been just alive since yeah she she came on the scene in 59 that's a lot of time to do stuff that's true um so uh, let, that's kind of the back end of, we all know barbie as it is today right but i do think something worth discussing on the marketing end as we wrap this up is is the immersive level of content and storytelling that has made Barbie successful. Like it is magazines. There's a mo there's a new movie coming out. There's animated movies. There's, I don't know if there's a theme park, maybe it's in the works. I have no idea, but like looking back, what makes Barbie so impressive to you on the marketing end? Um, and how do you contribute that to Barbie's success? Is it the product or was it the marketing, knowing the kind of the backstory to it? Well, I think it's it was the first product on the shelf of its kind, right? Yeah. So I think there's something to be said about that. And so I do think yeah. it is the product itself. It, it gave little girls an idealistic woman to model themselves after. And, yeah. you know, in the 50s, you know, no shade. We've come a long way, but no shade. It was based off of looks. And they created yeah. this model-esque feature for women. And, and thus, you know, eating disorders were, were <laughs> gave way to eating disorders in the 90s and the heroin chic era, you know. <laughs> the heroin chic era. It all happened yeah. because of Barbie. I think that's the iconic piece of it is, like, it did give little girls somebody to want to look like, mm -hmm. good or bad. It gave yeah. us a model. And I don't think, like you said, you never want to look like a Cabbage Patch doll. <laughs> like, no. that is insulting. No. So yeah, I, I think the product I itself, what, yeah, I think it's all due to the product. And, but, however, now that I know the marketing sphere of it, where it was like, no, a lot of, they had a lot of pushback. And then they hired mm. a psychologist to be like, okay, you don't want to focus on her body, focus on her looks. Yep. That yep. is iconic. I think that was a great move. And what I think they've done well, like knowing what I know, is keeping Barbie. They have this foundation of a personality, but they just keep adding elements as times change, right? Like they are they are a moving marketing piece. It's not just – it's not Mr. Potato Head where it's like this is a potato. You put funny stuff on it. Like you can't take it anywhere, right? Yeah. 
um, they're still coming out with these different levels of Barbie, you know, like, I don't know when the first black Barbie came about, but yeah, 1980, 1980, 1980. nice. You did your research. Um, uh, yeah, I I saw something on Twitter the other day. They came out with a down syndrome Barbie. So this one Barbie is being able to be molded generation after generation, whatever is important to this generation, which now is inclusivity. They, yeah. they've been able to have, they've probably made a plus size Barbie. They probably made like a mid-sized Barbie. Probably. They probably made yeah. a real Barbie. Like they're mm-hmm. changing all of the stereotypes, um, to fit what the, what the, uh, what our era is asking for. Yeah. And for that reason, they are never going out of business because I agree. the next generation is going to ask for robot barbie robot ai barbie Barbie. and we're gonna deliver Um, it to them i agree agree from her grave i'm gonna ask for ruth barbie excuse me where's ruth's barbie i don't know she probably has a life-size model somewhere in some manufacturing plant but i i i do agree uh they've just done a really nice job with their marketing not only the strategy of targeting children directly that was pretty innovative at the time to be like just get the children to ask their moms a hundred times for the barbie even if the mom's like oh this makes me feel weird they're gonna be like let's shut this kid up and just give her a barbie you know and then they'll be thankful for the quiet time they have you know i just Um, want so much more to this story can we do a part two because you didn't even talk about the color like what about barbie pink you know, oh, what's the I'm color? happy to do a part two. Oh I thought gosh. about that making this. I do think it's worth a part two. Let's let's run it back next week. We'll do a part two. We'll start getting into like from 1970 to now, Barbie. Yeah. You know, I want to cool know where Ruth is. Uh, where's Barbara? Where's Barbara and Ken? Yeah, I think that is worth ex- exploration. What is what I are think. the royalties? My god, what are the royalties? Ooh. I know. Yeah. Um these are and all great questions. Let's explore the movie and the reason I even thought about this topic and gave it to you was because social media Barbie the movie is doing its own kind of brilliant marketing with social media by just giving people um uh, a sticker on social media to use and it's like you put your face in a Barbie poster and it's like Caitlin career woman the next Barbie and so it's putting you in once again creating this imagination for adults that is worth exploration. Yes, we're lining up a part two. We're yeah. coming back. If you didn't have enough Barbie now, you're co- we're coming back with another one. I'm not you. done with Barbie. I'm not done. Nope. Aqua? You didn't even touch on Aqua. We got to touch on Aqua. I feel like you got to run part two, and <laughs> I just know I need to do the research. Otherwise, I will give nothing in return. So let no, me. You I did will so good. I mean, I yeah. am so fascinated by this. I know you have to run. He has a hard stop, but oh, I just good. want more Barbie. Well I want done. more Barbie too. It, it, you're so right that it just led to more questions yes. than answers for yes. me. Um, but it was a fascinating, like I just was getting into the history of it starting at the beginning. I was like, this is wild. Our motto so, for our company is what would Ruth do? WWRD. <laughs> WWRD. Ruth is a bad motherfucker and we will explore her until she's I lo- assumably. 
I like how she's kind of like sexually mo- like motivated too clearly because she took a softcore porn doll. Like she's we like, love. I don't care. This we is love Europe. a progressive 1950s Ruth. She All right. boss those rooms too. Okay. We'll be <laughs> back next week. Thanks for listening. Follow us. Do all the things. All right. Bye. Bye. Nice.